0: Good morning. Good morning, Rabotai. Welcome to breakfast and the class. Breakfast and the class today is dedicated in honor and in celebration of the engagement of David Aharon to Rebecca Nahamayas, Sponsored by the Aharon family, Mabruk and Mazaltov, as well dedicated for the Ruach Hashemah of Gamliel Ben Bahir. Sponsored by the Mavorah family. Breakfast in the Class is dedicated, loving memory, uh, and lilu Ishmat Rabbi Moshe Aharon ben Rabbi Chaim Pinto, Annette Amos' his father, sponsored by Annette and Gabrielle Amos. And as well, in loving memory of Shaul Daba, Lilun nishmat Shaul, shalom Hilal ben Zakir, sponsored by Marcel Daba and Steve Daba. Um, as well, in loving memory, Lilun shmat Lola Batsara, sponsored by her son David Shrem. And in loving memory, in Lunishmat nishmat nosrat bat habib, beloved mother, grandmother, and great grandmother, sponsored by the Shamsian and Nejat Hayim families. Um, as well, in loving memory of Mike Safti, I remember him very well. Alev Shalom fondly. Lui nishmat, Meir ben Sabut, sponsored by Danny Safti, and as well <clears throat> uh, in, uh, as well for the Rifa'ah of Yeshaya ben Lora. My friends, our parasha. Um, it opens with a very interesting saga, the saga of the Eshet Yefat tor But I want to focus on one other element that I think is really interesting uh, for our kind of day-to-day. The Pasuk says, When you go out to war against your enemies, and Hashem, your God, will give those enemies over into your hands. Okay? And you will see, Amongst the uh, the people there, eshet yifat to'ar, and you will see a woman of great beauty. And the parasha is a complicated issue about how a person uh, caught up in the throes of uh, of his animalistic side, when his primal uh, being emerges in the time and in the uh, and in the instinctual fog of war. So, how does a person behave when they have choices that they're making, which are very very difficult for them to fight and You know, I've been thinking a lot about this over the last couple days with the tragic scenes that we're seeing in Afghanistan. It's literally like an unwinnable war and uh, it doesn't end. And however long you spent, and however much money you put into it, the minute you take your foot off of the gas and you pull the soldiers out, even if you put or pulled them out, I mean, everyone's criticizing the way they were pulled out, but even if you didn't pull them out that way, even if you pulled them out another way, you know, if you didn't eradicate this, eventually it comes back, unless you literally uh, take out guerrilla warfare, every terrorist in their cell. So you think about the unwinnable war, and that, that expression has been flitting around in my brain and I couldn't understand why it was uh, uh, what it was. It's almost like it was like at the tip of my tongue. And then I realized that's really what our parasha is all about. Our rabbis explain. This war it doesn't only refer to physical war uh, that the Jewish people find themselves in. It refers as well to the much larger war. In the Chovat Levavot, he brings down. Uh, a scenario, a case, a historical incident when a king, a great conqueror, Alexander the Great, returned from one of his major conquests. And they came back and it was a bitter war. And many lives had been lost, uh, but they had been victorious after three years of siege against uh, one of their sworn enemies. And as they came back with the spoils of war, exhausted but happy that they'd won, Um, Aristotle came out to them and he said, you know, you're going from a small war to a big war. Prepare for the big war. And they asked him, what are you talking about? What big war? We just finished the war. The big war was just now. And he answered them, the small war was the war that you were just engaged in. The larger war is the war against the Yetzer Hara that's going to be present when you come back. You know, that war that you just fought. You could clearly identify your enemies. They're wearing a different uniform. You're there, standing on the other side. You know that they're shooting at you. It's very obvious who's your friend and who's your foe. But when you come back and all of a sudden you feel all the arrogance, all the confidence of your win, you're liable to make terrible mistakes. And whereas one war eventually ends, there's one, another war, the internal, Eternal war that never, never, never ceases. And that's the war of a person versus his Yetzehara, where you can't always tell who the enemy is. And it's not always obvious who the Yetzir HaTob is and who the Yetzehara, HaRa, which side is trying to convince you to do the right thing and which side is trying to convince you to do the wrong thing. My friends, so what's a person supposed to do? The Gemara tells us, Yitzro Shel Adam the inclination of a person Mitgaber alav, gets stronger against him yom, each and every day. Uzro, and if not for the fact that God was helping him, lo you could not be the etzahara. You know why? He knows you so well. He understands all your weaknesses. He's with you when you wake up in the morning. He's with you when you go to bed. He knows... When the right time to strike is, when you're feeling vulnerable, or when you're upset, or when you're angry at people. He, he pushes your buttons in exactly those moments. So since that's the case, how are you supposed to beat this Yetzirah? And the answer is found in our pasuk. Ki te'etzeh al oivecha. When you go out against your greatest enemy, which is oftentimes yourself, what do you need to do? What do you need to do? You need to go out to war. Sometimes something looks like it's an impossible task to make peace with someone, to find forgiveness, to uh, overcome a very, very tempting uh, uh, business deal, which is really not the right thing. You know either that it's dishonest or that really you're taking someone else's, uh, you're using someone else's hard work and stepping up on top of their hard work to come in and scoop out in the last minute a profitable deal that someone's been working on for a long time these things when we know they're not right but the stakes seem so high what is a person supposed to do they feel too weak to win that war remember if not for HaKadosh Baruch Hu, you'd ne- never be able to win the war so if that's the case if it's god that helps you beat the Yetzehara, then there's no Yetzehara that you can't square off against pick up your dukes so to speak take a stance and try your best to win the war. My friends, this encourages us to take a stab at our biggest demons. Because again, most often times we think that God's blessings come in the physical realm. And the price we pay for the blessings that God gives us in Parnassah, in finding a nice house and getting a nice car, right? And not getting in an accident and being safe and being healthy. We think that God's blessings are in the realm of the physical. And it's our responsibility to earn those blessings by doing the right thing in the world of the spiritual. But our rabbis teach us actually one step beyond that, that in truth, what we're actually looking at is that even in the world of the spiritual, there's nothing we could do without God. In fact, where do we find this idea expressed incredibly poignantly? Right before we start the Amida. Please, God, open my lips and let my mouth say your prayers. What are we saying? We're saying a prayer before we say a prayer. We're praying in order to pray, we're asking God to help us pray. But what language did you use? You used the language of prayer in order to pray that you should be able to pray, to teach you this concept that we need God's help in the realm of the spiritual too. You're gonna sit down in front of the Gemara, but is today gonna be one of those days where actually the penny's gonna drop and you're gonna understand it, or you're just gonna sit there like in a fog, you have no idea what's happening. You're gonna to come to the class and get the message, or you're gonna to come to the class, and I don't know, Rabbi, I just felt inspired today. You said something, it spoke to me, it woke me up. Who, who grants you that it's aruta de le'ela, that wake up call from on high, that helps you get in the zone, that comes from God. So what our job is, just go out to war. One interpretation, my friends, of the word ki, we know ki in the Torah can mean at least four different interpretations. Ki can mean when. Ki tetze, when you go out to war. And Hashem gives you the enemy in your hand. But ki could also mean because. And God turned Bil'am's curse into a blessing. Why? Ki ahevecha for because God loves you. So now we read the Pasuk and we see a very different statement. Because you got dressed, because you put on the uniform, because you picked up your gun, because you picked up your spear, because you waded into the battle, you walked into the unwinnable war. God gives you victories that you never could have imagined. There are times when it seems like peace is unattainable. So what's a person supposed to do? There are times when it feels like a certain challenge. Rabbi, I do everything kosher. I can't give up the wine. The kosher wines, they're just not the same. I can never I can't answer that because you know what? I know whiskey, I know cocktails, I know tequila, I don't know wine. But I have an expert here over here who's shaking his head, he's saying, that the kosher wines are now on par. And if you want to find out which ones are on par, message me afterwards. I'll get a full list from Mark. He'll, uh, he'll hook you up with a nice... Here we have our own kosher sommelier here at breakfast, okay? Now, I must, I must say this. There's no fight that we should be afraid of if Boreo olam is on our side, if God is the one that's going to deliver the reward. And I think that's what the pasuk is coming to tell you. You have a spiritual fight that seems too much... For you to overcome, just go to war. Just take a step, move into that, step into the, uh, into the fight, and then you'll see sometimes that the walls in front of you uh, that seemed impenetrable, they fall before you, they fall at your feet. My friends, I want to give you an example of what this idea means from what the Pasuk continues on. It says, Vishavita shivyo, And you will, what happens in this war? And you took a prisoner. You took a prisoner from the other side, you know, there was a captive that you got, uh, one of the captives of war. And I always love this idea because if the rabbis are telling you that the beginning of the pasuk is describing the war against the Yetzehara, what does it mean to take a captive of the Yetzehara? And I explained it like this. Sometimes you have two families fighting and you know what? Not everyone in the family is going to get along with everybody in the family. Maybe there's one person on the other side that you could pick off and make shalom. That's a captive. You took, one, you took a tiny thing from the other side. You celebrated a tiny victory. Maybe we can't have shalom to the point where you know what, we're eating dinner together, we're doing everything together, it was exactly like it was before. But you know what, can we stop saying mean things about each other publicly? Can we do something? Vishavita shivyo. Sometimes you can't win the war against Yetzirah, it's too much, so you get dressed up, you go into battle, and you grab something. Sometimes HaKadosh Baruch Hu looks at a person, and he says, you know what, you didn't win the war. You know, you, in the end, you did the Avon, you did the Avera, but look how long he lasted before he fell. God's going to pay you, so to speak, for how much time you delayed, you pushed it off, until you fell. That's also an accomplishment. Vishavita shivio. You took a captive. You got three hours. You want to say lashon Tell the Yetzirah, I'm not going to do it. That doesn't work. Tell him I'm not going to do it right now. I, I, two hours. I'm going to be lashon. You get to another two hours. Push it off again. Another two hours. Push it off another hour. You stole a captive from the Yetzirah. Sometimes the way to win the battle. <laughs> is to grab one little strategic piece, another little strategic piece, another little strategic piece, until eventually there's no desire anymore. You know? You have a guy who loves to drink socially. You know? He can't give up, he's, and he has a problem. His, his alcohol levels have gotten to the point where it's already too much, and he's damaging his life, and he's kind of falling into a very dangerous area. Sometimes it helps, even if he can't say to himself, I'm never going to have another drink again. He could say to himself, you know what, if he's a social drinker, I'm not going to drink with friends. Now he gets home, he has a bottle of scotch at home, he don't want to drink by himself. So you know what, that small thing that he does, or he makes specific conditions where he stole something, he didn't didn't win the whole pie, You know, sometimes the other way around. Sometimes you have a person who sits at home and they drink and at that stage it's even more dangerous. So the guy decides I'm never going to drink unless I have two people with me. It's a small deal you're making to try and steal some real estate back to move the battle lines. But sometimes you have to win that war little step by step piece by piece. You know our rabbis tell us that a person in the Amidah during the silent prayer, he's supposed to not interrupt, not think any other thoughts, be very focused. But the rabbis tell us, what if a person can't be completely focused on the whole Amidah? So what do we tell them the first three Berachot? You can't do the first three Berachot, first Beracha. You see, even the Chachamim had the skill of bargaining with the Yetze Hara, where you're bargaining with yourself to try and capture, slowly but surely, more, uh, uh, more space, more strategic places uh, in, the, uh, in the landmine. And a lot of times, if you're smart enough about the way you do it, you wind up achieving uh, tremendous goals in your, in your self-development. My friends, maybe one thing to do, to think about today, is to try and think of one of your unwinnable wars. And to think, you know what, Rabbi, you know what? I'm doing this I'm doing great I go to classes I do this I, this is my one area Rabbi I can't I can't it's too much it's too hard I can't do it I can't do it Shabbat kosher family pure. I can't, I can't Rabbi it's too much okay okay but if you had to take a piece off you know you got a person they, they, the Chachamim explained there's something called uh, uh, one of the Ta'anit one of the fasts that the Chachamim talk about is it's not a fast where you fast all day it's not a fast way you don't speak to Anit Dibur. They say you're having a shawarma, you eat the shawarma, you're down to the last bite. Put the last bite on the plate, don't eat the last bite. You showed a tiny bit of self-control at the, la- at the very last place. Building your self-control muscle actually then allows you the next time to do a little bit more. So if, if we could look at our unwinnable wars and think, you know what, I'm not winning this war. But let me take a bite. Let me take one step. Let me, let, me put on the, let me put on the uniform. And suddenly, all of a sudden, you start to realize that this impenetrable wall, it's got a little gate at it. And that little gate has a little door. And that little door handles, you need to just fiddle with it a little bit. And then slowly but surely, it becomes a little bit looser. And then you start swinging the door a little bit further and further. The next thing you know, you're in and you've conquered the unconquerable. May Hashem bless us to be able to scale unimaginable heights in our self-development to make ourselves, our parents, our, our communities, our grandparents, and HaKadosh Baruch Hu, proud of all of the steps that we take. Baruch Adonai Leulam.